finished Q&A last week, uh, and this is going to be a standalone message, really really based around um, celebration. I want to uh, share a story with you today, and um, I, I love, uh, I love the, the stories of Scripture. Um, I love sitting with people. A lot of times I love meeting with people that are older than me uh, because their stories are better than mine uh, because they have more experience. Anybody understand what I'm talking about there? I love hanging out with folks that are older than me because they've seen things, they've done things that I have not done. They have wisdom to give me uh, that I need in this life to make. And I'm a young father, young husband. Um, I need help, right, at all times. So I love the, the art of storytelling, okay? And I think it's great for us to, to take Scripture as a living, active story uh, that has been given to us that we get to share with others, okay? So today we're going we're gonna to come out of uh, the, the book of Luke, and I think this is important for us to get a little background before we get into um, Luke chapter 4 uh, as Jesus arrives back to his hometown and the title is To Nazareth with Love is the title today because I want us to think about um, Nazareth and what that means to us. Okay, so just keep that in your mind. But first, I want to give you a little bit of background. Okay, I think it's very, very important to get background on stories. Um, sometimes it's, it's fun to, to see a, uh, the event or the, 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 the climax of the story in the beginning and then for them to, to backfill it like this is us. Anybody understand that? That you just see the story up front, and then all of a sudden, oh, look at the cute little child. Okay, that's just me. All right, but there's a show called This Is Us, and it's, it's taken us by storm. So um, <laughs> what we're going to do, though, is not start at the end. We're going to start a little further back to understand um, how Jesus ended up back in Nazareth, okay, and why that's so important, why he ended up back in Galilee. And you hear that a lot, and Galilee was that region uh, in which Nazareth was within. So what happened when we look back just specifically in the book of Luke, we see in this, this letter uh, that he wrote to us in this way, you know, to show us about this good news account of Jesus for us today. So, so what happened before Galilee? And I always like, what happened before he got back there? What was going on? So we see uh, he's baptized by John the Baptist, right? Baptismal, his namesake, John the Baptist. In the Jordan River, which was in the southern region, right? The southern region. And you'll see that this was uh, an act of human nature on Jesus' part to show us what forgiveness, you know, the full, the full amount of forgiveness in this way, the, the full understanding of, of being baptized, saying that I'm going to go through this act. And that's why we do it as a church as well and as a people. Um, and also a baptism of repentance. The first example that we have of how to walk out our faith. So how many of you guys, just be honest, have been baptized already, okay, in your life? Awesome. So what you have done is you have gone public with your faith. You have professed your faith publicly. You have told everybody that I am following in the footsteps of Christ. Okay, so we see before Galilee, he was giving us an example as to how we were to live. We also see just after this baptism experience that Jesus is tempted in the desert by the devil. We see that as he is, is proclaiming his faith in God and going into his public ministry, that right away we see Jesus being tempted. This makes sense, doesn't it? Have you noticed in your life any time or every time that you have gone more public with the faith that you profess that something happens 
you know, and it may be something small that, you know, you, you've got a great devotional life and all of a sudden you're tempted to go and do something else instead. You know, something like that's going on. Or, you know, you, you say, God, I am going to, like me, Lord, I am going to get up at 5.30 in the morning, and I'm going to go, did I hear some, mm, some amens already? I'm going to go work out. I'm going to buffet my body, not at the buffet, but at the, <laughs> okay? Um, I am going to go and get, I am going to do this, but the temptation of the pillow is stronger. Can I get amens and oh my's, Okay. Uh, you think about that. But you see that when Jesus said yes to God, he got the attention of the enemy, okay? And, and whenever you say yes to God and you're up in the ante, when you're going further with him, when you do public things uh, about internal change that has happened, you get his attention a little bit more. Jesus said yes to his call and immediately found temptation. What I think is so great about this story, and we see it in the temptation, is that he was never alone. That the Holy Spirit was with him. And a lot of times we forget that in the midst of a difficult situation. That, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is with us. And you hear that when he was led by the Spirit. And it makes you wonder, was he led into temptation by the Spirit? No, 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 no. What, what that meant was that as, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, because at baptism it came over him and was upon him, and he, he did works in and through the Holy Spirit, that, that when he walked out with this fullness, that the Spirit of God was with him. So whatever type of situation he found himself in, any type of difficult situation, temptation, whatever that looks like, the Spirit was with him. With him. And I think that's important for us to remember. What does the Holy Spirit do when he's with you? This is a refresher course for some of you. Um, for others, it might be new. It gives you words to speak, and it's great to see how Jesus respond. He responded to the enemy. Because it's, it's funny how the enemy will even use Scripture, right, to, to test uh, what God has done in your life, to test your calling, to test your yes. And we see the, the, the enemy doing that to Jesus. And Jesus' responses are so important because... You know, Jesus was led by the Spirit, like I said, with the Spirit. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. As he fasted for 40 days. Can you imagine fasting for 40 days? Maybe you have before. For 40 days. And the first thing the enemy says to him, right? He says, if you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Listen, when I, when I fast for a day or, or even longer, it, it doesn't take much for things to start looking like food. Any, anybody else feel that way? That things start to look like food. You're like... Like you're in the desert experience, and you're like, a mirage happens almost, and it's like, that stone, it does look like bread. And you go to bite it, and you lose a tooth kind of thing. All right, but you see this in this instance here where the devil is, is, is tempting Jesus, right? He's tempting him, and he's talking, hey, well, just turn that to bread if you want. And, and Jesus responds with the word, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone. He was, he was leaning into his call and leaning in to his relationship with God. And you see that about the enemy promising him authority, that he could give him authority. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm not going to serve you because you don't have the authority to give to me that God can give to me. Okay? So the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Right? Throw yourself down from here. And, uh, he's, and, the, and the devil says here, for it is written, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Right? Have anybody been to Bridge Day before? Anybody been to Bridge Day? Do you think it's a good idea to jump off without like a, bu a bungee cord or something? 
it's not a good idea for you to say, God will save me. We're not going to finish that. Okay? It's not a good idea. And you see Jesus here saying, look, man, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't even put the Lord your God to the test because I'm not going to do that. You see that every time we say yes, there's a test. You see that when we say yes, there's temptation. When you see this, so we're setting the stage of what happened before Galilee. We're setting the stage and the understanding of, of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives and how we can, we, can, we can arrive at the right place. And we see this as we continue on, that Jesus arrives in his authority as he begins ministry at the age of 30. At the age of 30, which was the year in an individual Jewish man's life where he would start his public ministry as a rabbi or, or such. So we see that Jesus following that pathway, and we see that he had this patience. So what did Jesus do before that? We know that he was a carpenter. We know that he worked in his dad's shop. How many of you could actually work with your dad long term? Anybody? That can be pretty hard, right? Okay, good. We got some of them, so we're good. Those relations, Everybody else, group counseling will be happening right after service, okay? No, but can you imagine Jesus working with his father all these years, preparing himself for something that was totally different, and, and God was building in him the authority that he would need to do ministry. So he'd been in this family business, and he was learning timing and trusting God. So what happened in Galilee? So we see what happened before and, and, and what brought you know, Jesus moving back toward Galilee, back toward his hometown. What happened was he began to preach his message. He began to preach his message. This will make sense to you guys very soon. On the tale of his friend, John the Baptist, family member, being thrown in prison, he began to preach his message. What was that message? Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Mark 1, 14 through 15, again, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You guys have heard this so much over the years, I'm sure, if you grew up in church. But like Matt was saying, and what we've been realizing over the last few weeks, like how important is human life to you? How important is your friend? How important is your neighbor our hearts were broken last week as we saw what happened in a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Devastating. Hearts broken by how can somebody do this? How can somebody, this type of act of terror on, on mankind, on their fellow man and woman, how can they do this? Guys, we, we need the kingdom of God to come near. We need this act of repentance. We need to turn Toward him, And this was Jesus' message that he had. This was his message of his life. So he makes his way back to his new home and ministry base in Capernaum. So Jesus sets up shop in this new ministry base as he's beginning to do ministry, right? And love on folks. Luke 4, 14 through 21, you'll start to see these on your screen. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. See, we see Jesus becoming this rabbi. We see Jesus heading over to the synagogues, to the churches of their day. It only took about ten families for a synagogue to be established in towns. Okay, So we see Jesus 
getting on the preaching circuit with his message. What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay? So we see Jesus starting out on this circuit, and you see people really liking this guy. They're really liking this guy because there's something different about him. There's something different about Jesus because the way he speaks, it's not so much what he talks about because they've heard those things before from other rabbi, but other teachers, but there's something different about him. See, we looked at his baptism and how the Holy Spirit of God came upon him. We looked at how he went into that desert place and he was tempted by the enemy and he earned his spiritual stripes, right, as 100% man, 100% God. And then we see Jesus stepping back into this area called Galilee, this area where he had grown up and and people probably knew him as Joseph's son, right? Oh, the carpenter's boy. Mm, Yeah, we know him. We know about this guy. Beautiful furniture, but eh, rabbi, not so much. Then all of a sudden he hits the circuit and people are like, there's something different about this guy. What is it that's different about this guy? He has this thing called authority. Have you ever been captivated by somebody when they're speaking in life and it just, you cannot, you cannot remove your eyes from theirs. You, 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 every, there can be craziness happen around you, but you're just so focused, laser focused on the story. This is what it was like for them when Jesus would speak. He'd preach in their synagogues. Why was it like that? Because when Jesus would speak, he would speak with such passion. He would speak with such excellence. He would speak with such authority. He wasn't quoting the scripture of the past. He was fulfilling the scripture in the present. He was talking about himself as the solution. He was talking about himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And he has a message that he shared there that I want us to think about today. He makes his way to his hometown and synagogue. Jesus goes to Nazareth. And a question that you're going you're gonna to really think about today is, is what is your Nazareth? And, and as we talk about this and we, we look at the story and how Jesus spoke during this, this time, I want to challenge you to start to picture where God has placed you and what type of situation he's placed you in to make a difference. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Sometimes it's hard to go back to your hometown, isn't it? We can understand that. Isn't it hard sometimes to go back to your hometown? Uh, not only does it change, but you change too. Have you noticed that? Over the years, Culpeper, Virginia has changed, guys, like crazy. It's a little metropolis, you know. When I was a kid, it was a little farm town. You know, we had the downtown was defunct and dilapidated, and now it's a beautiful little shopping district. And, and there's, not, there's not just Walmart now. There's Target. Can I get an amen? French for Target. Um, beautiful. I mean, things have changed. So, not just one, but multiple Starbucks there now. You know, coffee shops and fun stuff. You know, it, the, the hometown is not the same because it's changed. But I have too. I'm about to go back this weekend for the reunion, the 20th year class reunion. I'm going back. Guess who's back? And I'm taking the hottest girl known to mankind with me, K. Myers Incorporated, okay? It's going to be show and tell. Come on, somebody. And I don't have to say a thing. Mm, okay. But we see Jesus go back to his, to his hometown where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to church. He went to the synagogue. As he was in the habit of doing, which he was accustomed to still fellowshipping, wherever he was, he would fellowship 
in the body. So important for us to get. So we see Jesus heading back to the synagogue, okay, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and again, think about it. If you had, I mean, think, if Stephen Furtick was rolling through town, I'd be like, hey, Stephen, I know you just want to, like, hang out today, but you got something to share? You got something for me? Andy Stanley's rolling through town, and I'm like, hey, you got something to teach? You know, or, or uh, what's that other guy with the really big glasses? What's his name? I knew you'd say it. That's why I said it. Okay. Uh, Judah Smith was rolling through. Some of these names you guys might know is rolling through town. I'd be like, hey, Judah, got something to share? Jesus is in the building. And they're like, this guy, this is the one. His, his message has been so different. He speaks with such authority. He's so unique. We gotta, let's let him read today. Let's let him read today. And then we see Jesus stand up. And, and he opens the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So he opens the scroll. We open the word now, but they open the scroll. The prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And I love this. This is like setting the scene, the scene here. It's like Jesus is about to just say something really, really exciting and amazing. And he's just going to drop the scroll, drop the mic, and walk out kind of thing. All right? So get ready for that. So this is an important message that was happening in and around Galilee and Nazareth specifically that's going to make sense to you too. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So he opens it up, and he's like, is he okay? That's good. Okay, mmm, this is going to be good. So Jesus looks out over the synagogue, and what does Jesus say? All right, we'll get to that in just a moment. But he went to Nazareth where he's brought up, unrolling, he found the place, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he's quoting the prophet Isaiah, and he's reading this, and he's done reading it, and all of a sudden he's just like, And just goes and sits down. Can you imagine what the room was like? Because they were realizing that the grander story, the, the bigger thing that was happening here, as Jesus unrolled that scroll and read that scripture. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This man speaks with such authority. He speaks so differently. He speaks of himself being a fulfillment to centuries of Scripture. No rabbi, no teacher has ever done this before in this way. He would quote Moses. He would quote the prophet Isaiah. But he would not say that I am the fulfillment of this. This was a big deal. So everybody is like, Whoa. you see what he just did? He read it, dropped it, and like, walked. Of course, it says he sat down. But the, the moment. So what does this mean to us as, as Jesus went public with this message in that little town of Nazareth, in that synagogue? I don't know how many people were in it that day. But as he went public with this message, what does that mean to us now? Again, I ask you, what is your Nazareth? Because when you know your Nazareth, you know what this means to you. But you also know what you are to say. See, things changed for Jesus and things are changing for you and I when we think about our lives. 
See, we first have to understand our place in God's kingdom and his overall plan for our lives. Again, we, we've said this many times before. We see it in Matthew, 1 Peter, and Corinthians. We see it from these folks, you know, Paul and Peter, Matthew, that, that an understanding that what they wrote down and what they said. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church, this ecclesia. What is that? That assembly, the congregation of free citizens. That was a term that made sense in the public that was beginning to make sense in the church because it meant everybody of every background is welcome here. Anybody can be educated and learn about the good news message of Jesus, the ecclesia, right? Through people like you, Peter, but also you, us folks in the congregation and also uh, and everywhere else that we see the church through people like you, Christ being the architect, us being the foundation, our story being the, the, the timbers of the walls and, and the stories of others being the drywall and the roofing. And all of a sudden, what do you have? This beautiful thing called the church. That we understand that, that we are a royal priesthood, a, a chosen, a holy, set-apart people that have the opportunity to proclaim the good news message of Jesus Christ. That each and every single one of you are ministers in your own right. It's not my job. It's not my If I can just get them to church, Justin can seal the deal. They're saved and I've done my work. No. It's just the beginning of you leading someone to Christ and walking with them as they're walking with him as his spirit gives them more life and fills them with power so that you can help them to be the church to someone else. And that understanding from 1 Corinthians 4 that no one should regard you or me as anything else but ministers of Christ. What is, what is, our, what is our chief end in life? To share Jesus with others. That's who we are and that's what we're to do. So what is your message I'm going to define this this morning. What is your message? That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Just going through the Scripture and defining it. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What Jesus said that it is with him, it is in him, and it is around him. Because God's Spirit was upon him at baptism, we see that, that it gave him power to be the example in everything that he did. Because he has anointed me, we see this. This is that, that picture of the rubbing on or the applying oil to an individual that was set apart for a divine cause. What does this mean to you? That you've been appointed. That you've been called out. That the Holy Spirit is upon you and in you to do the will of God in life. To proclaim. You heard that word a lot which means to preach that good news message, to share it to the poor, those destitute of wealth, influence, position, honors, those that are lowly afflicted, right? Those who do not possess eternal riches. We're here to proclaim that to those that don't know what it's like to be saved or to know Jesus or have salvation, to experience baptism, to walk in Christian life, to proclaim that good news that we are sent that word apostle there, focused back at the source is what that means. God, the one who sent us to bring healing to people's lives. We're thinking about that as we watch Jesus' ministry after this moment in the synagogue. And we look forward in the Gospels how he began to heal people. The leper, the paralytic, right? Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, but also even Matthew, the tax collector, a healing of life. Think about that. The most detested people of their time. 
robbing each other, tax collectors, working for Rome and working for their own, right? Robbing people whenever possible. He, he, he gives this person life again. Those that are brokenhearted is also in here. Those who have been broken down and, and uh, recovery of the sight of the blind, those that need to be healed. He's given you this ministry. Jesus was given us the blueprint in that small little synagogue, possibly in Nazareth. The example, I don't know how big it was, but the example of how you are to carry your message in every single synagogue you walk in in life, every single place that you go, your Nazareth, the message that you have to give, that people can be restored. Think about that. Wow. As we walk up and down the street, as we walk in our stores in this community, as you walk in, in the halls of your university or your workplace, sometimes you think there's no hope for that person. Sometimes you think they've done this to themselves. There's no way they can get out of it. You know, sometimes the the greatest thing they need is Jesus in flesh, and that's you. To say that, hey, you can be restored, because let me tell you how I was healed, how I was made whole, how I was brought back. Worship team, if you guys would like to make your way up this morning. That you have set the oppressed free. And you think about this anointing, this power that you have as a Christ follower to, to, to say that people can be free. You pray for them and, you, and you, you, you believe with everything in you and they believe too and all of a sudden their mind begins to change and their life begins to change and they're no longer oppressed but they are becoming free. That they have this release, that they, they understand that they have been set apart as well. That they have an opportunity to live again. That they can proclaim, like Jesus did, the year, the year of the freedom of the, this jubilee, this picture that we see when all debts are canceled and everything is washed away. What a message. Jesus deemed this so important that he would start his ministry in this way. That he would start his ministry in this way, talking about how people can be free through God. Think about that. A lot of times we just kind of, I know it's a little warm in here, so you probably could really get good sleep right now, okay? But we just kind of glaze over, and we think, well, I'll just leave that to the pastor, or I'll leave that to my connect group or small group leader, or I'll leave it to this, leave it to that person or that person. This is your ministry of reconciliation. This is your message. But you don't understand the people I work with, or you don't understand. I don't. But God will give you the grace and the patience, okay, to walk with them if you want it, if you choose, so that you can help them see what it's like to be free. So the question I have for you, what, what is your Nazareth? You know, it might just be your house, your home. Not just, but it might start there. If you're a husband, if you're a father, brother, sister, whatever, mother, it might start there for you. Or maybe, maybe you're doing great there, it's fine. Maybe, maybe it's your, your graduate program you're in, or maybe it's your office place, or, or maybe 
it's your, it's your small group or, or your ministry that you lead. Maybe it, it's, it's High Street or, or when you go shopping at Kroger and you, you, you're making a point to talk to people and, and, and share with them the journey that you have and what you've been through. Because our goal is to someday publicly watch somebody go public with their faith. When they said, this was my, I was blind, but now I see. And what I'm really excited about is you leading them to that place. You being the priesthood of believers. You rising up in your call, proclaiming this good news message like Jesus did. Because I'd love to tell you guys that everybody was just still just stricken with awe when they talked talked to him. But it wasn't there soon later that they wanted to throw him down the hill. When you read further, they wanted to throw him, get rid of him. Because he confronted some things in their minds and hearts that messed with them. The Lord wants to help you help people find him. And see him. It may not be the most popular message you share wherever your Nazareth is. However, you're being obedient. You're moving in the right direction. You're doing what God's called you to do to proclaim freedom for those who are not free. Amen? So I know it's kind of hard when you don't see somebody about to get baptized. But hey, come to second service and it'll make even more sense. You're not going to see people being dedicated, small children, before the Lord. But hey, come to second service. It'll make more sense. But also, if you need to take that step of faith, if you need to publicly profess your faith and you haven't done it before, you've got time. Jesus did it. He humbled himself to do it, and you can too. Because I believe it's a step of faith too, that you'll see God move in and through your life more as you take that step of faith. But it all starts with the relationship with God through Jesus. And if you're not there yet, let's go there first. If you're not completely sold out to this cause and and the willingness to go back to your town and, and share that message, not necessarily where you grew up, but back to your everyday workplace life, whatever that looks like, and share this good news message, proclaim freedom for those who are bound You know, those that have been in slavery for years in their lives with depression, with finances, whatever it is, mental health. I'm telling you guys, you have the chance to make a difference in someone's life. And it's not my job to do it. It's yours. Okay? So close your eyes with me this morning. First thing I want us to do is is make a decision, if you have not yet, to follow Christ. To follow in what he did, to, 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 to lead, try, try your best to, to, to lead life in a way that he has and walk the way he walked and do the things he did. But it, it first starts with a repentant heart. And maybe that's what you need now. You need to just repent. Turn from the desires that you have and have created over time and turn to him. Talking about becoming the church and and, and sharing this message scares you to death. But we believe that when you ask him into your heart, you get that triune God, the triune Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that spirit that will help you, the spirit of God, 
will help you as you seek to proclaim in everything this good news message that Jesus showed us how to give. So this morning, if you want to commit your life to Christ, if you want to decide to follow him first and foremost, to move in the direction of him, would you do me a quick favor and just simply look at me real quick? We can still do that. Okay, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. God, we thank you for those in this room that have decided to follow you, that they have heard this good news message about Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the crux of the matter, the one who came back from death to life to give us life forever. And, Lord, they have made a decision to follow you. Thank you for that. And, Lord, this next challenge that we see ourselves being presented with this morning is will we be the church, will we be the voice to our Nazareth? God, you've given us a picture and an understanding of who and what that is. Lord, give us the strength. Give us the strength to be your witness, to be your hands, to be your feet to be your mouthpiece. It's your desire to walk in that. Stand with me this morning as we conclude in just a time of worship. So Lord, thank you so much as we enter in, Lord, to a moment with you to seal this time, to seal this moment. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name.